0: Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Uh, I'm excited about the word of God. So let's do it. We got a lot to do in a uh, short amount of time to do it. And so grab your Bibles and go to first Peter. First Peter, those who are in the room, if you could just make a little noise in the room. man just makes the room feel a little bit more full when when people are actually talking back a little bit hey just a quick reminder as you turn to first peter uh, chapter one as you turn there just a quick reminder that we are going to be back in the book of romans for those of you who are familiar with our church on any level you'll know that we are serious about going through books of the bible and so we started going through the book of romans last year and Of course, uh, the same way uh, this pandemic has detoured so many things, it it detoured us from finishing the book. But we made a commitment that we were going to go through it, and so therefore we are going to finish it. Uh, And it's going to take us a couple months to do it. I want to prepare you, prepare your hearts. If you want to finish reading it or you want to go back to Romans 1... And, and start to catch up if you haven't been a part of uh, our church over the last year. You should do that. This is definitely the, the season and the time to dig into the book of Romans. Uh, it's so much in here. There's a lot in the next six chapters that I really don't want you to miss. And so even today I'm kind of my hope is to prepare us a little bit for, uh, for this book. All right, let's dig in. We're in First Peter today. Won't you pick me up in verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and the abiding word of God. Do me a favor and just underline that phrase, the living and abiding word of God. That's going to become important. He's going to quote Isaiah chapter 40 here, all flesh like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls or fades, but the word of God, the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news. Somebody underline that as well. That was preached to you. I want to preach today uh, for a little bit of time from the topic entitled commitment to God's word. If you do me a favor and just if you're in this room, I know it's only a few of us, just look at your neighbor and say commitment to God's word. If you are online, if you'll just type that in the chat room, commitment to God's word. Let's look to the Lord before we dig in. Uh, Father, what a privilege it is for us to approach your word today. It's crazy because you didn't have to give us this infallible word, this inspired word that is given to us from you. From your lips directly to our hearts and our ears and our souls. And so, Father, we want to take this moment serious. And so when I say serious, Lord, we want to dig into it. Forget the fluff. Remove the distractions. But, Lord, help us to dig in for this few moments. Help us to dig into your word. It's in Christ's name we give all glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. Commitment to God's word. is. We're about to dig in. If you do me a favor and just... Um, share this and let somebody know that we are we're live and we're about to get into the word of God there's an echo behind me whoever is doing the tech stuff you could just like figure that out, that'd be really really helpful all right commitment to God's word uh this pandemic certainly has hindered our ability to physically gather uh we we haven't gathered in fact I asked Gabe this morning I, said, I was like man I almost lost track of, of of Sundays like how many Sundays has it been since we were able to gather? told me 37 Sundays that we haven't been able to connect. And I'm just like, man, that's almost a year. It's crazy to see it. But one of the things I've tried to do over the last 37 weeks, I should say, is I've tried to be faithful as possible while we remain virtual and and socially distant. I've tried to be as faithful as possible through to the word of God. It is extremely difficult to preach to cameras. I I can tell you now I wasn't trained to do it. You don't know who's on the other end of that camera. It just feels awkward. It feels weird. It wouldn't feel so awkward if there were more people in the room. Uh, But nevertheless, we don't get a break from preaching God's word. The Bible tells us to preach it in season and out of season. So I've tried to be faithful as possible to preach the word of God. We've gone through series. We've talked about racial tension, uh, which is still prevalent in our nation. We've talked about anxiety. We went through a series on Africa. We've talked about what's underneath the mask. And I personally am, I'm am gra- grateful for technology. You get to be home in your bed right now. Those of you who are a little less uh, anxious to be out in the world right now. Those of you who are home, you get to be home, but yet you get to get the word of God piped into your living rooms or your bedrooms or your dining rooms, wherever you are in your house. You get the word of God piped in right now. And I'm grateful for technology, but here's my concern. My concern over the last several months have been What is our commitment to the Word of God? Here's two ways. Number one, hearing the Word of God, which is a spiritual discipline. I think sometimes we just think reading the Word of God is a discipline, but actually getting up, brushing your teeth, washing your face to get into the Word of God is an actual spiritual discipline. But I I, I think the other concern is your daily devotion. In the midst of this pandemic, one of the things that have been rocked, and I, I don't know how you've been rocked. I can tell you now the first few months were really rough for me rough for me to try to find a rhythm and rough for me. There were days I skipped reading the word of God, which is very abnormal for me. I like to get in the word at least once every single day because there is something there for me. And so I I was a little, I'm a little concerned about your daily devotion to God's word and your commitment to hearing God's word on a consistent basis. Daily devotion as as, as you as an individual carving out time to get into the word. If you would just take a second, and I don't like dead space where we just like pause and don't say anything, but if you would just like share in the chat room for two seconds, be honest. What percentage from one to a hundred, what percentage would you say you spend your week in God's word? Just let that sit for a second. I know it feels awkward, but what what percentage? Some of us are less than one percent. Some of us never read the Word. Some of us skim. Some of us do that old school. You just kind of flip through the Bible and you just put your finger somewhere and that's, that's where you land for the day. But we're so strategic in every other area of our life. You're strategic when it comes to your finances. You're strategic with your work. You are strategic with your bills and strategic with your work at Your projects that you're working on at work, but what is the strategy you have? What is the discipline that you have for getting into the Word of God? But what about hearing God's Word? You know, Acts chapter two says that three thousand souls were added to the church, and the very next verse—that's verse forty-one of chapter two of Acts—and then the very next verse says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So therefore, they sat and heard the Word of God. They listened to the Word of God, and my fear throughout the last 37 weeks is that we've got so busy doing other things at home. I was talking to some of the volunteers that are here now. They're like, man, I'm busier than I've ever been. My fear is that you've, you've been so busy and that you're quarantined and that you're off rhythm and that you haven't been gathering with the body. And so therefore you've been disconnected from the very word of God. I'll say this, reading the word of God by yourself is not enough for your spiritual growth. Hearing the word of God by itself is not enough for your spiritual growth. You actually need both. God has designed your spiritual formation and your spiritual walk to be fed by both. And so my agenda today is really to prepare us for the book of Romans. As we are about to dig back in through a book, I want to show you why commitment to God's word matters. Matters, it, it matters how you read the word of God and it also matters How much you get exposed to the hearing of the word of God I have four points in, and I think they're gonna pop up somewhere on the screen Here, here are my four points this is the best I got today commitment to god's word purifies us Commitment to god's word motivates us to love people Commitment to god's word You need to be committed to it because it is alive in the fourth Point I have is we are committed to God's word, therefore it must be preached. Let me get into the first one. It purifies us. Here's why we are committed to God's word. Look at verse 20, 22. It says, Having, watch this word, purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly. Here's that word again, from a pure heart, two times in verse 22. Peter talks about the purifying nature of God's word. It is almost as though he is redundant, but his redundancy causes us to press pause for a second and consider what he is saying. Twice in this one verse, he talks about the purifying nature of the word of God. The first reason why we dig into the word of God on a consistent basis is because it purifies you. It cleanses you. It refines you. It washes you, the Greek word for purified is hagnezo. It literally means to make free from sin, guilt, or undesirable habits. I mean, like dig into this for a second. The word that he uses for purification talks about one of the ways that you break the undesirable habit is by consistently being exposed to the word of God. Yes, we are purified by the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, but Peter shows us that there is another divine soap that activates in your life to clean. it's It's bad spiritual hygiene to walk away from the word and never read it all week. But the word of God must be deeply purifying your soul on a consistent basis. Let me put a little scripture here about how it purifies us. It is Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26. That talks about how a husband purifies his wife. It says, sanctify your wife. Watch this. Having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. Same thought. Jesus gives the same thought in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them through your truth or purify them through your truth. For your word is your truth. Do not get it twisted. When you read of the, God, when you read of, uh, the word of God, it is literally taking a spiritual bath. It cleanses you. It purifies you. And one of the things I know about my heart, I don't know how your heart works, but my heart says I got to get into the Word of God and get purified every day. I'm convinced that we underestimate our daily need for purification. We don't think we're that bad. We don't think we're that sinful. We don't think we're that spiritual dirty. And so therefore, we walk away from the word of God and never get into the word of God. But here's the reality. You wouldn't do that with your body. You wouldn't do that with your teeth. You brush your teeth twice a day. At least I pray you brush your teeth twice a day. This morning I got up. I get up early on Sunday mornings. I got up about 530 and uh, I, I got up intentionally to. Uh, spent some time with the word, in the Word, but also spent some time praying. I got up, I went downstairs, and, and, and I went to uh, my little office, and I got on my knees, and, and I prayed, and then uh, I read a little bit, uh, just personal devotion stuff, and then I actually looked at over the sermon, and then I wrote in my journal, I prayed again, I went upstairs, I hugged high, I jumped in the shower, but here's what I know, the shower I took this morning ain't good tomorrow. Somebody, somebody ought to type, you got to wash that day funk off consistently. I also brushed my teeth this morning. I also gargled this morning, but the way I brushed my teeth this morning won't help me tonight. All the stuff I ate today needs to be flossed and brushed again. In other words, I got, I got to have good hygiene on a consistent basis. But when it comes to the word of God, we are the only ones that are good with being Sunday saints, we're the only ones that are good with some of you opened up your Bible today and it was opened up to the verse we read last week. So, some of you opened up your phone, your Bible app, and it was still on the same verse. You know, I'm talking to you, it was still on that same verse that you had last week. And many of us have spiritually bad hygiene, we bathe once a week. On Sundays at 9.30, and on Sundays at 11.30, that's our time to take our spiritual bath. But God is like, every day I want to get you in the word of God. What you need is the mouthwash of the word. What you need is the Dr. Bonner's peppermint soap of the word of God. Somebody swears by it. What you need is his black own, the Urban Eden natural soap. That's what we use in our house, of the word of God. Y'all should go online right now, Urban Eden, Urban Eden. What you, what you need is the spiritual floss of the word of God. What we need to do is brush our teeth and our tongue. Somebody type that in right now of the word of God. Pure, the word of God purifies us. And I pray that the Lord would cleanse somebody today. But I pray that today wouldn't be enough for you, that it would just whet your appetite to get back into the spiritual bath of the word of God tomorrow. And then then Tuesday hits and then you do it again and again and again. Oh, holiday time. I, I don't have time for the word. No, this is the time I actually definitely need to get into the word of God. And so some of you think that you can go all week, but the reality is you can. And here's why we do it. Rob, I'm convinced the reason why we don't get into the word of God is because it sometimes is Anticlimactic and painful, and it's good for us. And let me give you an example of that. This morning when I mouthwash, if you've ever read, I see, I don't play games. I don't use that fresh burst, and I don't use that cool mint. I use that original gold. You know, you gargle that a little too long and make your eyes just like start watering in the bathroom. And, you know, if you read the bottle, it says gargle for 30 seconds, but I try to do at least a minute on the gargling, and here's the reality. It burns when I do it. <laughs> But I need it. I need a layer of skin to come off my mouth as I'm gargling. And the, and the reality is, somebody has spiritual halitosis because you refuse to allow the word of God to burn a layer of skin off. You, you refuse to allow the word of God. See, we don't want to get in it because it makes us say, ouch, have you ever read that verse that you walk away, and you're offended? You ever read that word and you're like, God, you really want me to, to live up to that, but that's what the word is for. It is not just for you to say amen, but sometimes you got to say ouch. And today, if you don't get into the word of God every day, you should just say ouch in the chat room. Oh, okay, Pastor, give me, some, give me something practical. How, how am I supposed to get into the word of God every day? I think it starts with, and I'm just going to be real practical. It starts with praying for discipline. Like the start there you, you want to start reading don't start reading yet because you'll fall off You'll start the bible plan and fall off You need to pray that god gives you spiritual discipline Every day at some point in your day and you, some of you 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 your schedule's full Then you got You got too much on your schedule if you don't have time for god yeah. You got to knock something off and put god in that spot Some of you got to put it on your calendar and stick to it because you need Discipline in the word of god. This is also practical why don't you work on scriptural memorization? It is so important. I can't tell you that, we, that there's some really creative ways we do it in our household. We played Monopoly a couple times this week. I, I'm the king of Monopoly in my household. Get at me, my family. I think they're watching right now. But it is true. I, I won the very last game that we played together. But before we played. I have a stack of of papers. I know y'all like, y'all too spiritual. Just play the game. But I have a stack of little papers that I cut up because there was a verse I was trying to get both of my boys to remember. I was a little ashamed that they didn't uh, remember it because it's such a, a well-known verse. And so I cut it up and I put it and I said, before we play the game, you got to put it in order. That's scriptural memorization. And some of you need to find creative ways to remember the word of God. That, that might mean you have to write it down. I know for me, I can't just read it and remember it. I have to read it, write it down a few times in my journal and then it sticks. And why, why do I need that? Because there are times when I walk away from the word and I'm out into the world and the enemy will show up. And if the enemy shows up and you don't have any weapons, that the enemy don't care about you running to your phone. that The enemy don't care about you pulling up your Bible app. When you're talking to people and they challenge you about your faith, they don't care about you saying, I'll get back to you. Somebody has to work on scriptural memorization. That also leads us to meditating on the word. I don't know how many of you just think about the word. When you finally have committed it to memory, walk around the house and clean up and just keep saying it to yourself. You know, there's a verse tucked away in Psalm 119. I think it's verse 97. It says, oh, how I love your law. It is my, watch this, meditation all the day. Some of us just need to think about the word. We just need to meditate on the word. The reality is we meditate on so many other things. We bring ourselves anxiety by meditating on the things that are wrong. But the scriptures tell us to meditate on the word of God. And so the last way I'll say practically is pray the word. You, you have to read the Bible and then use that as your prayer guide for the day. Read, read the Bible like today. If we, if you were reading devotion, I know it's a little just practical today. But if you were reading verse twenty-two in your devotion, you should spend your whole day praying that God would purify you because that's the point of the verse. Lord, to pray, purify my heart, cleanse my heart. You, you should detail areas that you know are areas that need to be purified that really are unsanctified in your life. We all got those areas, and you need to pray for that. So here's the first thing that commitment to the Word of God does it. Purifies us, but there's something else in verse 22. Y'all still rocking with me? Y'all can talk back just a little bit. Verse 22: Having purified your souls, it says by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly what's this word? Love. Okay, it, it says the word right again. Right, right after it again. Love one another earnestly from a pure. There there was a literary term that we learned when we were kids called a chiastic structure or a chiasm Uh, I've shared this with the church years ago that a a chiastic structure really is when two present two two thoughts are presented in a in a in a text or a sermon or a A a, a verse when two competing thoughts are presented to know what the dominating thought is You have to look at the structure the chiastic structure of the text So in, in other words Purified is mentioned twice in this verse. Love is mentioned twice in this verse. To know what the dominating theme of the verse is, you have to look at what's in the middle. That's what the chiastic structure says. In other words, if thought A is presented, don't y'all check out. Thought B is presented, thought B is presented again, and then thought A is presented. The focus of the text is not A, it's actually B. Okay, let, let me try to make this a little bit. Uh, more, more simple for us. The, the saying, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, is a chiasm. There, there's two thoughts, that, that's going and tough. When the, it says, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going, A, B, B, A. The focus of that thought is on the toughness. In our passage today, I don't know if you picked up the chiasm. It's pure, love, love, pure. Do you see that? Those who are in this room, do you see that in the text? Pure love, love, pure. A-B-B-A, the dominating thought according to a chiasm is love. So yes, the word of God has the ability to purify us and sanctify us and wash us, but the word of God really dominates to help us to learn how to love, watch this, people. People because the word love that's used here is Philadelphia. In other words, it ain't just some feeling that you have. It is brotherly love. It is affections for people. In other words, it is an oxymoron to be a Christian that is hateful. It is an oxymoron to be a Christian that doesn't like people and cuts people off every year and can't endure friendships and everybody in your life doesn't like you, that means something is wrong. Pure love, love, pure love is the dominating thought. And so the word here, Philadelphia points to a, a love that a family would have for each other. Like, like listen, I beef with my family. We, we beef, but let me tell you something, nobody else better beef with them. Yeah, y'all, ever, y'all ever do that? Like you, you in the house, you arguing with your family and you arguing with your brothers or, or your sister or your spouse and something hits the window? The argument goes out the window. I, I am now more focused on a outside uh, 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 activity that has happened that might harm the family inside. This is brotherly love. And that is what the body of Christ must have for each other. I am tired of us hating on each other. The reality is we need unity through brotherly love through Philadelphia. You know, love is is, is such a overused word. We use love for everything. I love pizza. I I love Beyonce. I love Chick-fil-A. But if you love a number seven with cheese like you love me, that's not real love. You actually can keep that love. I, I, I need a unique love. I need a love that Jesus modeled for us. You do realize that if you want to look at the model of what real love is, we look to Jesus because Jesus' love, watch this, is unique. Jesus' love is different. Jesus' love is like no other love that you have ever experienced before. And the reason that reading the word of God helps us to love each other is because the word of God presents us to Jesus. Let me put Bible here, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Ephesians chapter two, verse number four, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us. First John chapter four, we love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother is a liar. And anyone who loves God must also love his brother and sister. I learn how to love people by looking at Jesus. I look at Jesus by reading his word. And for Jesus, love is not just a word, it is action. Because Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his life. In other words, love for Jesus is synonymous with sacrifice. When's the last time you loved somebody to where you sacrificed for them? Sacrifice of your time sacrifice of your finances, sacrifice of your gifts, sacrifice of your emotional space. If you have nobody in your life that you are sacrificial with and you are loving people the way Jesus loved us. So dominating thought here is love. It was love that caused Jesus to get off his throne to dwell amongst sinful men. It was love that caused Jesus to come down to seek and save the lost, the hurt, the broken and the oppressed. It was love that caused Jesus to have compassion on the multitude of people. It was love that caused Jesus to love on the woman at the well, even though she had five men that abused her. It was love that caused Jesus to protect the adulterous woman. Although there were a bunch of men, real misogynistic with rocks. And Jesus like, if one of you don't have sin, then you go ahead and cast the first stone. It was love that caused Jesus to get up on a cross, to die not for his sins, but for your sins, for my sins. It was love that caused Jesus that says, I'm coming back for them one day. And it is love that sustains me right now, the very definition of love. Don't let Jesus be the definition of love and his body be the definition of shady don't let Jesus be the definition of what real love is. And we are known for bickering. Here's the reality you got to love even people that are hard to love. Grimy Christians is an oxymoron. Nasty Christians are an oxymoron. I love because Jesus has loved me. You got to understand something about love. Love must be given to people whether they know Jesus or not. See, sometimes we just think we can only love. The people that love us and the the people that love Jesus. But the reality is your Uber driver's sole responsibility was not to transport you from point A to point B. They they actually have a life and they are deserving of respect and love. The the person that you called up, I know y'all don't like calling up people, especially operators and customer service on the phone. The customer service person that you are on the phone with actually has a soul The person that gave you your coffee this morning actually has a life and they are deserving of your love. The person that you can't get along with in your family deserves your love. And if I can't encourage you to love, I'm failing you as your pastor. If I can't encourage you to to be more serious about the word and walk away and love people differently, that I am messing you up. So number one, commitment to God's word purifies us. It sanctifies us. It cleanses us. But the second thing the word of God does is it motivates us to love people. Watch this. I'm also committed to God's word because it's a living document. Look at what the Bible says here in verse 20, verse 23. Notice that there's not a period. I don't have time to preach it, but there's not a period between verse 22 and verse 23. The the thoughts roll together. So let me read them together. Having purified your soul by obedience to the truth, a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since connection, you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Watch this. Through the living and abiding word of God. Do you realize that the Bible that you are holding right now or the Bible that you are reading on your device right now is alive? It, it would help you to understand how it purifies you when you understand that it's alive you, You'll understand how it helps you to love other people when you understand that it's alive when you read the word of god It is actually reading you when you study the word of god is actually studying you god's word is alive We do not approach it just the way we would approach a novel we don't approach it the way we approach any other book. Why? Because this word is alive. In fact, the writer of Hebrews didn't just say it's alive. He says it's alive and active. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says it this way. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of the soul and discerning the thoughts and intention of the heart. This is why I said, you know, I said that, that the word, reading the word sometimes cuts you because it divides. It, 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 it chisels your life. It does surgery on you. Doesn't take a scalpel and chop off your arm. It it looks at the areas of your life and says, you know what? Let me prune that out. And it cuts a little piece of you off. And that cutting is also very, very painful. The word of God is alive. And I'm I'm grateful that the word is alive because it shows me that it can be relational. In other words, when when I pray to God, how do I look for the answer? It's by reading the word. I don't know how you look for answers. You might be more spiritual than me. Maybe God just like shows up and just be like, yo, this is what you should do. He don't do me. like. He's never done me like that. I actually got to sit down, discipline myself and say, you know what, God, I need to hear from you. And let me just say this real quick. This is not in my notes, but I've been in a season where I have tried not to just pray, but I also pray and look for answers because oftentimes we just pray and we just pray and we pray for people. But I also want to follow up and see if that prayer actually worked. I actually want to look at my life and see what God said yes and no to. I actually want to look at my life and see how God is answering prayers. The way I look and how he answers me back and how we have relationship is by praying and reading the word of God. It's alive. And this is how I know it's alive because it encourages me when I'm down. The word of God has the ability to correct me when I'm wrong. The word of God has the ability to direct me when I'm lost and I'm often very lost. The word of God has the ability to comfort me when I am grieving It calms me when I am anxious and no other book does that. Yo, Josh, real talk. I've read a ton of books this year. This quarantine has been conducive for my book reading. I've been able to like plow off books that I normally wouldn't have time to plow off. Yeah, I think it's the lack of commute time I have, the lack of commitments and engagements I have. I I can just have more time at home. And so I've been reading more books. And as great as those books were, none of them were alive. None of them hit me that way. None of them transformed my life. They may have helped me to think differently, but none of them transformed me in a deep way. But here it is with the word that's able to transform our lives because it's active. Here's how else I know it's active. Sometimes when I preach, I'm often wondering like, man, I wonder how this is like translating to people. Sometimes, you know, in my mind, like I have thoughts in my mind, but sometimes I don't communicate in the same way. So I'm like, I don't know if it really hit. But I'm always encouraged when I hear how one word could hit 20 different people in 20 different ways. That ain't nothing but an act of a live word. I can not tell you when we used to meet together, there were times where I would preach the word and somebody would come up and be like, oh, man, this hit me. And then somebody else would come up and say this hit me. And then someone else would come up and say this hit me. And I realized that ain't because of my eloquence. You better understand the best part of the sermon is the text itself. And so when I hear people saying, man, this hit me and this hit me and this hit me, I realize that it's an active word. It's Charles Hatton Spurgeon that talks about how when he, when he preaches the gospel, he's always wondering who's being saved at that moment because it never occurs to him that the word will go out and not do what it said it would do because it's, a la- it's, it's active. It's alive. When I was younger, my, my father used to do this thing, man. When I would have an attitude in the house, he would come and he would bring his Bible. He had one of them big King James Bibles, you know, the, the ones that sit on the coffee table open like this and be mad big. He would get it and, and he would he would just go like this and fan it on me. He'd be like, let the word of God breathe on you. And that thing would aggravate me every time he did it. But I think what he was what he was communicating with in a nonverbal way was this word is active. This thing is alive. My father would also practice uh, reading the word of God loud. You know, it's something else. You can just read it to yourself, but sometimes when you sit in your house, you gotta read it loud because that thing just goes out. You ever felt like something was in the house and it's just like a funk in the house? You woke up and you just didn't feel right, and something's here. Just something's, you know. You had a bad night of sleep. You had there. I don't know if y'all ever had that 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 sleep paralysis. You just like you feel like you can't move and you're anxious, or you're up all night. Sometimes you just gotta get up and read the word aloud and let it go out. And let it transform the people that are in the house. I'm telling you, some of y'all arguing over stuff. You just better get up and start reading the word. Because it has, it. it's active and it is alive. Okay, so the first way, commitment to the word of God purifies us. The second thing it does is it motivates us to love people. The reason why is because it's active and alive. And finally, I'll land the plane in verse 25. Don't you miss this. We are committed to God's word. Therefore, it must be Preach. If somebody in here could just say that, it must be preached. Verse 25, he says, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was, watch this, preached to you. Here is why I said, if you are just having daily devotions and quiet time by yourself, Praise God, but that ain't going to spiritually transform you in and of itself by itself. It has to be coupled. It's like peanut butter and jelly. Peanut butter by itself is dry. Jelly by itself don't make sense to me unless it's on toast with butter. But by itself, it don't make sense to me. You need peanut butter and jelly. And So the way your spiritual life should work is commitment to God's word by yourself, but also hearing the preaching of God's word. And I get it. I know some of y'all are tired of online service. You tired of the chat room. You tired of throwing up emojis. You you tired of connecting through the technology. And I get it. So so am I. But that doesn't give us the, the, the ability to disconnect from hearing the preaching of the word of God. We need the word of God to be preached to us when we feel like it and when we don't. You ever been like, man, I just don't feel like it today. I don't feel like hearing the word today. Sometimes I'm going to be honest with you. God, forgive me. I love you. God. But sometimes I don't feel like preaching it. But the Bible tells me to preach it in season and out of season. It tells me him we proclaim. There was something so powerful about the preaching of the good news of the gospel. When I read scripture on how preaching transformed lives, I talked about Acts chapter 2, 3,000 souls got added to the church, not because they were outside handing out tracts, but because the preaching of the word of God went out. When I look at places like Nineveh being transformed, they were transformed because Jonah stood flat-footed and preached. In fact, Jesus affirms it. He says all of Nineveh was rocked by the preaching of Jonah. And here's the crazy part. Jonah preached eight words. Eight. That's, all, that's how powerful preaching can be, is eight words is able to rock an entire nation. The word of God is powerful. No, notice something here in the English language, it doesn't, it doesn't really help us, but in verse 25, it says this is the word. This word, word here, is different than the word that he uses in verse 23. In verse 23, he says the, the living and abiding Word of God. Now, in the English language, both of those say word, but in the original language, those are two different words with two different meanings. Verse 23, the word that is used is logos. It is referring to the written word of God. I, they didn't type back in the day. The written word of God. But in verse 25, he doesn't use logos again. He uses rainbow. Rhema is different. Rhema refers to the spoken word of God, a.k.a. the preaching of the good news of the gospel. Never, ever, ever, ever underestimate how important it is for you to hear the word of God. And here is why I told you that that, that hearing the word of God is a spiritual discipline. It is just as important as you reading. You need rhema and logos, You need the written word of God. You need to read it, but you also need to sometimes sit and just hear the word of God. I said it earlier, but it's true that the best part of the sermon is the text, not my commentary. You need the pure word. And this is also why you never sit under self-help teaching. Therapeutic deism teaching. Teaching that just tickles your fancy and makes you feel good. Sometimes you got to preach stuff that goes against the culture. Sometimes you have to preach stuff that is opposite of what you believe there. Sometimes I'm preaching. I'm going, God, you got to work me over because I don't actually trust you on this one. But I trust your word enough. I believe your word enough that I got to preach it no matter what. And so I don't know what excites you, man. But even if I'm tired, I get excited knowing that I can preach the word of God and people will fall deeper in love with with Jesus because of it. It is the preaching of the word of God. Notice he doesn't say. He didn't just say preach. In verse 25, he says, this word is the, watch this, good news, a.k.a. that shorthand for the gospel. In other words, you don't just preach. You got to preach the gospel. I can't just tell you your season cometh. You need to hear that you're a sinner. And you need to hear that there is a savior that is willing to go to a cross and die for all of your dysfunction. You need the good news of the gospel. You need the preaching of the word of God. You need it in season and out of season. You need it when you feel like it and when you don't. I need to preach it when I feel like it, when I don't, and I need to preach it no matter what the culture says. I need to preach it whether it's going to get likes or not. I need to preach it whether it's going to get critiqued or not. This is the word, the good news that was preached to you. Word of God purifies us, y'all. sanctifies us. cleanses us. But the word of God also motivates us to love people. The word of God is alive and it's active. And the word of God must be preached. Who is it that needs more discipline with the word? Who is it that's, that's really taken a pause on your spiritual growth over the last seven, eight months? Who is it that's been disconnected from the word and you, you really haven't committed much time to it? It's confusing, Pastor B. I don't, I don't often get the word. This is why we sit and learn by hearing the preaching of the word. But I, I would argue, man, you know, some, there are people that pass the bar exam, Rob. They, they I mean, they, they just brilliant and they, they killing it in school. And then they get to the word and they be like, I just don't understand it. The dedication you have for the bar exam. You need more dedication than that for the word of God. We can't just skim. Listen, you skim when you first met Jesus. At some point, you got to go deeper. At some point, you got to get in discipleship where where you're learning and hearing how the Word of God should operate in your life. And here's the reality. Worship team, y'all can start coming up if that's good. Worship worship. as worship team comes up, here's the reality. We got too much access to the Word not to be in it. I mean, you got physical copies. You got the Bible apps. You got the internet. Some of us need to dig in. And I promise you, there's a few things that have happen. Number one, you'll definitely start to feel like you're getting purified and cleansed, spiritually bathing. But the other thing that happens is you'll realize that you're just a nicer person. You'll realize that you're not hating on people. As much as you were before you were digging in every day, it's no way you can read about a loving Savior and a compassionate Savior and a Savior that is gracious and not be gracious. Can't read about a loving God and not be loving. There's something I missed, and and, and I'll end here. There's something I missed, and it's in verse 24. In verse 24, the word says, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God remains forever. Here is why... You preach the word no matter what the culture says because it transcends culture. This word has been passed down through many cultures. These 66 books have transcended decades and generations and ethnicities and centuries. You need to commit to the word of God because when you are gone, it'll still be here. And let me help you out. Before you got here, it was already here. I'm going to pray for somebody today that needs more dedication to the word. Somebody that knows that you've lacked the commitment. Today is the day that Peter is challenging you. Father, I pray for everybody that's piped on. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Grateful for this time. I don't take this lightly, Lord. I'm grateful for the time to be able to engage your people with your word. And here's what's so crazy about it. You use undone people to do it. You don't ask us to come to your word perfect. Perfect. We, we, we read your word to read about one person that's perfect and that he gives us that perfection via the cross. And so, Father, as we end our time today, may this word not just take them through the week. That's a weak word. May it transform their life forever. May the commitment to may they never miss a day, Lord, not a day without getting in your word. From now until the day you come back for us or you call us home, Father, may we be dedicated to your word. May we believe in it. May we trust it. May we put our whole faith into it. May we be dependent on you. It's in Christ's name I give glory. Amen.